Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs for a, a playoff edition of the fourth and one podcast. Nick Jacobs, tell me you're excited. About what? The, the, the playoffs, man. I mean, here, it, it, everything they played for all season, you know, from the time that they were broken to the time that they were, you know, um, you know, just going to run through the AFC again to the time that Cincinnati beat them. And now, you know, I mean, Kansas City's, you know, maybe the third best team in the playoffs. I mean, who, it does, none of that stuff matters anymore. Chiefs, the number two seed playoffs begin this weekend. We'll find out uh, if the Chiefs are uh, really a Super Bowl contender or not in the coming weeks. It's karaoke night here on the fourth and one podcast. What did we say? Are we doing a duet? No, it's definitely not going to be a duet. (laughs) I'm a solo actor, Todd. The Chiefs were broken. Now they're not anymore. That's out of pitch and out of town, but they're not anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't expect that to go I apologize platinum. for the dogs barking outside people's uh, <laughs> establishments right now. Right. Um, yeah, n- not, not going to go platinum like some of your other hits, Nick, but uh, I appreciate the effort and the enthusiasm. Yeah, no, well, it's not, that's not one of the ones that I'm meant to do. Like, I mean, sweet Caroline, I'll crush, but I'm also in the office right now. I don't need people judging me, you know, but we, go sweet, nights, we can go sweet Caroline, Maggie May back to back. I, I, I like to, to do the Rod sweet Stewart Caroline, classic. I crush in person. Okay. I, I, uh, I used to back in the day when I would sing like uh, poison ballads, um, yeah. those, those were real popular with uh, a certain subset of the bar crowd. <laughs> so, but anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, it's wild card weekend. You know, you're not used to this part of it with Patrick Mahomes, you know, <laughs> having not been uh, not partaking in that in his career. And if the playoffs were still the same previously, they would have had a buy too. So, you know, it, right. it, it yeah. is what it is. But no, I mean, and like I said, like, I mean, I'm kind of curious to see how they perform in this first week. And then also if they're able to, you know, cross your fingers, stay healthy, then I'm curious on top of that, what if that helps them get off to a fast start in the divisional round, if they make it that far, I got to use the qualifiers because apparently I'm going to be a jinx. If I don't use qualifiers, um, according to the old Twitter, about uh, about Lucas Niang, because I totally foresaw that coming that he was going to tell his patella tendon whenever I complimented him for doing a good job blocking a left tackle. Yeah. Well, it is your fault. And and I hope you've apologized to the Niang family and cheese kingdom. Todd. Oh, was I supposed to go a different route? <laughs> I, I, I would like to thank Todd for his contributions to the Chief Spot uh, Fourth and One podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look, I look. I don't think it's w- when you look at the numbers. Um, you lost me is, at numbers, Todd. Right, I know, and I haven't even said actual numbers yet. I just said the word numbers. Yep. But, but when you look at at like the the especially the Steelers' offense. This is far and away the worst offense of the 14 teams that made the playoffs. It's not even close. I mean, when you look at like there's the percentage percentage of drives they score on it, it's like one out of every three, their points per drive. Some of the stuff that, that has really proven over the last couple of years to be predictive of success in the NFL. Um, the Steelers are, are in the bottom third of the league in, in those categories. And if you look at everybody in the top 10, except for one team um, in scoring percentage and points per drive made the playoffs. By the way, can you name that one team that didn't make the playoffs? It didn't the one out of the top 10 that didn't make the playoffs. 
Oh, I know two of them that one of them was definitely in the top 10. The other one was not, but it, it was up there scoring wise. You want me to guess it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, it's the char- uh, chargers. They were easily in the top five and the Colts probably, I think they were somewhere in like the top 15, top 12. The, the Colts were 11th in both yeah. points per drive and, and percent of uh, drives that resulted in points, but the chargers were top five in both. Yeah. Um, so Todd, you are know. you proud? I knew those. Uh, well, I, it, I mean, it was kind of a good, it, this was really just a chance for us to back up the bus over the Chargers lost season. <laughs> wow, than, dude. They're going to take away your license <laughs> if you keep doing stuff like that. Uh, honestly, if you look at points per drive, 13 of the, the top 14 teams are in the playoffs. Again, the only one that's not is the Chargers. I mean, that that's highly predictive. Meanwhile, the, the Steelers are all the way down at 24th in the league in points per drive at 1.7. So, you know, and, and then you throw on the fact that Najee Harris hurt his elbow and hasn't practiced all week and Ben's dealing with a, a shoulder issue. Um, look, I, I mean, I'm not saying that it's impossible. I mean, obviously, if the Chiefs come out and turn over, you know, commit a few turnovers or if they give up some some points on special teams, whether it's in the return game or they get a kick blocked or or, you know, they have some things like that. They, they can have some self-inflicted wounds that keep the Steelers in the game. But all things being equal, it, it's going to be hard for this, this Steelers team to, to top 20 points, you know, 24 points. And it's going to be hard for them to keep the Chiefs from getting to that level. I mean, I don't know that it's going to be as lopsided as the 36-10 game three weeks ago, but... If you're the Chiefs, you've got to feel pretty confident going into this one, you know, and uh, you know you hope they guard against being overconfident. But I mean, this 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 is one that, that you should chalk up. And I don't I don't care about um, you know not being a jinx here. The Chiefs are far and away the better football team. They proved it three weeks ago, and they ought to be able to prove it again on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, look, the the Chiefs, the biggest part of them is like you said what happens with Najee Harris is going to be really, really big for this week. As a Thursday when we were taping, he did not practice either day. So Friday is going to be the big day with his elbow to see what happens there. And if they lose him, he's really dynamic for their screen game. Occasionally out of the flats, if they need to, or check down wise. And also he's just, he's just a strong, powerful runner. So if they, if they had ended up going with Benny Snell, I think there's going to be a drop off there. And then. Right. Right. Oh, I mean, Take, take a guess how many yards Benny Snell has this season behind Najee Harris. Um, I want to say under 250. Oh, it, it, you're, you're correct, but I would. he's got 36 carries for 98 yards this season. Najee yeah. Harris has 1,200 yards, and then you've got Benny Snell with 98, Chase Claypool with 96. That That's their second and third leading rushers this season. Yeah. So if, if Najee Harris isn't in there, with his 1,667 yards from scrimmage this season, they're in trouble. Yeah, and I think that's why uh, you saw Juju Smith-Schuster um, designated a return all of a sudden is because I, I I, personally took that as an indicator that they're nervous about Harris not being able to come back, so they need another dynamic player to try to help out their passing offense and also not having uh, James Washington with him just coming off the COVID, the reserve COVID-19 list, that's also another aspect that I was like, well, they they probably feel like they need somebody that can be 100% or hopefully 200%. And, and for Juju Smith-Schuster, 
it, it's smart if he's able to play simply because he can audition for a team that uh, you know offered him a contract this year that he didn't accept across <laughs> yeah. the sidelines. Uh, so um, yeah, and no, I'll be I'll be curious to see if, if Juju Smith Schuster plays. But I mean, yeah, I mean, look, Ben, this is, I mean this is it for Ben. If like, he can't get it done. Like, I mean this, you know, this there's, it's definitive a hundred percent. Like there's no, if or hypothetical type thing, like if they don't win, then he knows that that's, that's a, an official rap, but you know, that's what I'm curious to see about that. But what my bigger question I'm, I'm kind of curious about is TJ Watt and how healthy is he for this, for this game? Well, I mean, if, if you remember back on December 26, he, he had cracked ribs. He was questionable. He did end up playing in that game. But he did not look like vintage TJ Watt. He still had some some nice moments, but you know, I think he's had what five sacks the next two weeks to get him to the, you know, tie the NFL record for sacks um, in a single season with twenty two and a half. He look, he he's a great player. He's probably the defensive player of the year in the NFL, and he's he's got a chance to to wreck a couple drives for the Chiefs. I still don't. I mean, I still don't think that. He, that a healthy TJ Watt alone puts the Steelers over the top against the chiefs though. No, but uh, like you said, it, it can, it can definitely disrupt some drives depending if Andrew Wiley's at right tackle and how much they help him and how comfortable he is out there on that right side that could, it could cause some problems. And I mean, Cameron, Cameron Hayward can cause some problems, but them not having to it this year, that's been not having to it and Bud Dupree on the opposite end. Like those have really kind of wrecked what, Pittsburgh used to be uh, defensively. Yeah. I mean, Chris Wormley and Alex Highsmith both have, you know, they've combined for 13 sacks on the season. Their pass rush led the NFL in sacks. No surprise when you got a guy setting NFL records. Uh, and that's definitely the strength of the team. Um, it, it's allowed them to have some pretty good numbers. If you look at the passing game, um, but they, they, they can't stop the run. Um, you know, I think the chiefs will be able to impose their will. Um, Real quick, I did find this hysterical. Um, Mason Rudolph, the backup quarterback who's appeared in two games, yeah, um, is tied for fourth on the Steelers in rushing yards this season with fifty three, and that just cracked me up when I saw it. That like their backup quarterback um, is, uh, you know, is in the top five. <laughs> that is certainly less than ideal, Todd. <laughs> So uh, you'll, you'll be shocked to know that Ben Roethlisberger has five yards rushing on the season on 20 carries. Um, he look, the chiefs pass rush hasn't been great. And you know, they've been bottom half, maybe bottom third of the NFL. Um, you got Chris Jones and not a whole lot else. Uh, I mean, I think Frank Clark had four and a half sacks and then like Mike Dana, you know, and Alex Okafor tied for third on the team with three. And I, I can't remember the last time I actually um, caught, uh, you know, an impact play from Mike Dana out there. Um, you know, but look, Ben, Ben's a statue in the pocket. I mean, it, same things apply as last time. If you make Ben hold the ball, um, you're going to be able to get to him. You know, I mean, he knows he can't move. They get the ball out really quick, but that also kind of limits some of the things they can do. The chiefs defense had a lot of success against him the first time around. Do you think the defense can replicate that? Or when you see some of the tackling issues and the struggles they had against the run the last couple of weeks, or, you know, defending Jamar Chase, things like that two weeks ago. Do you have some concerns about this defense and, and the way it's maybe regressed, you know, week 17, 18? I think everybody's going to until they see something different on the field. 
so people are just going to have those doubts and have those questions. And I mean, for Steve Spagnolo, <clears throat> the thing I think he's going to have to prepare for is how much are they going to challenge vertically with Chase Claypool and with uh, Deontay Johnson? You know, like that, the, that's the biggest question. How much are they going to challenge vertically? Who's going against Ward for that challenge? Cause Ward's problem right now is he's so much in his head and he's going to have or, or, the thing I've noticed about him is he's going to have some plays early on that go his way. And in the Pittsburgh game, when he had the INT, he had a pretty good game overall, but when you challenge him vertically and, and I, Notice this in training camp as I was going through some training camp footage again and looking through it. He just doesn't, he, he's still not confident of what time to turn his head because he's nervous that he's going to slow down and he's going to be out of position or he's not going to be in a good spot to be able to break up the pass. So I, I think when you challenge him vertically and he can't see it in front of him like he can in zone a lot of the time, that I know that seems to look like it frustrates him to a certain extent. Yeah, no, I would absolutely go after Ward. And I would also have some some plays designed, you know, if, if Sneed's outside or or to, to carry him upfield out of the slot um, if you can because he's struggled outside the hash sometimes when uh, a little bit too. I, I think that they have some opportunities to get some plays. Um, I don't think that this is going to be an overly flag-heavy officiating crew, though. So no, that might, they're, that they're might one play of the fewest. to Right, so that might play to the Chiefs advantage in this one uh more so than you know say the cincinnati game yes yeah this crew is a this crew looks like it was specifically designed to allow this to be a to allow this to be a quality football game right you're gonna, gonna let him play a little bit um you know i mean i think defensively i mean you the steelers aren't going to change a lot of what they do because i don't think they can they might take a few more shots but again it, you know, it takes time to develop. Maybe they feel like the Chiefs pass rush isn't that good and they'll have that time to let those shots down the field develop. But I don't see that the Steelers aren't going to reinvent the wheel at this point and suddenly come out with an all world, you know, passing attack or, or, or an offense that they just haven't shown for 18 weeks. Right. But can the Chiefs trot out the same game plan or is it as simple as they didn't have Travis Kelsey the first time around? adding him back in changes everything. They already had a pretty dominant performance. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was 23 of 30 for 258 yards and three touchdowns. And Tyreek Hill only had two catches for 19 yards. They did a great job on Tyreek Hill with Kelsey out of there, but they got roasted by Byron Pringle. They got roasted by Derek Gore and Daryl Williams out of the backfield. McCole Hardman had a touchdown. I mean, it, it's especially adding a healthy Kelsey back in there. It's just hard for me to see this Steelers defense. Like, like I said, I, it's just hard for me to see them keeping the chiefs under 30, man. Yeah. I mean, it'll, that that's the, that's going to be one of the magic numbers is can the chiefs hit 30 or above for that game. And if they do, then Pittsburgh just didn't have the firepower to likely maintain with them based on what they've done the past 17 games. So with, the, like you said, with that part of it, here's the, here's the other kicker. Tyreek Hill wasn't hundred percent in that game either. He just right. came off the reserve COVID-19 list. And a lot of the other players had just come off the reserve COVID-19 list. And they like, even Chris Jones didn't look hundred percent out there. Fenton didn't, right. you know, a lot right. of those guys just didn't look hundred percent. Fenton didn't play. Cause he didn't get off the list in time. That was also right. the game. You didn't have uh, Harrison Butker or Tommy Townsend. You didn't have Nick Bolton. Niang was out on the COVID list. And then of course came back and hurt his knee. Um, after that, but 
the Chiefs were really depleted for this game. And, and I remember being a little bit nervous about how that might impact it. Um, and then they just came out and ran rough shot over them. And I mean, I think you've got to guard against two things here. You, you can't be overconfident and you can't lean too much on the first game plan because right. obviously you've put that on film. And look, Mike Tomlin's a very good coach. He's never had a losing season in, in this league. He and his staff are going to be able to come up with some adjustments three weeks later that will take away some of that stuff. I, I, you know, I don't think they're going to let Byron Pringle just roast him again. I think they'll have a better plan for him to the extent they can having to account for Kelsey now. Um, but I, I still just, there's only so much you can do and they're still limited by who their personnel is. Um, the only other thing that I, that I think it, it, you know, could be a factor. I know that the Steelers are leaning hard into this underdog thing, but I think there will be an emotional component there at least early of like, you know, playing to keep Ben's career alive. I think Ben's going to come up jacked up. I think the team will come out emotional and, and I think the chiefs are going to ha- may have to match that early. Um, you know, the, the physicality that they all, the Steelers are always going to bring, but also just the emotion. And if they can, and if the chiefs can get up by a score or two, like they've been able to in a lot of games lately, I think that's, especially given what happened so recently, I think that would really take the steam out of the Steelers. Yeah. And I mean, if you think back to last year with the Browns against the Steelers, the way the Browns were able to hop on the Steelers in that wild card game last year before they came to Kansas City in the divisional round, um, it was it was exa- it was almost the same to where they they were able to be aggressive and it took the wind out of the Steelers' sail. They fought back and the Steelers tried to make it close. And you should remember seeing Ben Roethlisberger sit on the bench, and I can't remember if he was with Pouncey then or or who he was sitting on the bench with, and and like you know just. They were apologizing that they couldn't get him that playoff win, and he was debating if he's going to come back or not. And so, I, I think that, like you said, the Chiefs, if they can jump on them early and they can be aggressive and get out to a 14, 21 point lead and be able to maintain that, I, that allows that defense, the Chiefs' defense, to play their style of aggression. And also, the Steelers become a little bit more predictive. But also, if they don't have Najee Harris, like I think they're going to be really predictive on terms of what they're going to do. So, you know, Harris is really, really big for what the Steelers are able to do in this game. So Priest Holmes is going to going to bang the drum, not Alex Smith um, or Eric Fisher. Um, you know, as we had jokingly uh, hoped it would we, be. But, I, I didn't well, okay, joke on it. Okay, as I jokingly hoped they yeah, would don't, do. Don't tie me in with you on this. I, I, I forget. I forget. You you know, um, Nick, Nick doesn't have as many jokes as I do. But how how much... Would you take some satisfaction in watching the Chiefs send Ben Roethlisberger into retirement? Um, I, I really don't care. I mean, you know, it's unfortunate that the career is going to end for him at some point this year, where, whenever it may be. But yeah, I, Probably about 1045 on Sunday night. We'll see, man. I'm just not going to be the jinx. But, you know, I mean, it, it'll be yeah, interesting. Maybe. It might be 1020. We'll see. But anyways, yeah, no, it's just, I mean, I, I enjoyed watching him play for almost, you know, nearly 20 years. I, I still remember his rookie year against the Patriots. Like, you know, so it, it'll be when I believe they went 15 and one that year, but like, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed being able to watch him play over the years. And, you know, it's, you know, he was one of the constants in the league, had some great games. I still remember his throw to San Antonio Holmes in the Super Bowl, and the, you know, against the Cardinals and some of those big plays. So, you know, it's, it, you know, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's one of those reminders that, you know, how quickly time passes. 
I believe that was the Super Bowl that ushered in the Todd Haley era in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, no, Todd, after that game, Todd became the Chiefs, uh, Chiefs head coach, and Kurt Warner was in that game, too, as a quarterback on the other side with Fitzgerald and Steve Bresden. Yeah. No, I mean, look, there aren't a lot of guys who have won, who have quarterbacked their team to multiple Super Bowls. So, so Roethlisberger's on an elite list. Um, he was never a mobile guy, but I always marveled at um, his ability to, to stand up when he was getting hit and fight his way through it. I mean, he was so hard to sack in his prime. Uh, you know, it, it was a different kind of second reaction play. Cause like Mahomes like sees the rush coming and then uses his athleticism to get out of the pocket and make plays on the run. Right. Roethlisberger stayed in the pocket and just shrugged guys off. Like he was Thanos and then made his second reaction plays, but uh, it was impressive. It was unique. I don't think there's a lot of quarterbacks that ha- have or could do what he could just because of his size and strength, but I mean, it's pretty clear that, um, you know, the times kind of come, I'll still say it's incredibly impressive that he got this team to this point. Again, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. He and TJ Watt, um, you know, but I mean, I think the writing has been on the wall for a few years now and, uh, you know, it's probably time. Yeah. Unfortunately it's time for big Ben. Right. I'm father times, father times the, Father Time's the only uh, person who's undefeated, you know, in the NFL and, and really in life in general. Um, so we t- kind of mentioned Najee Harris, you know, uh, hasn't practiced. We'll see later in the week whether he's actually available. But the Chiefs have some running back injury news too. Look, Andy made it pretty clear early in the week that he thought Daryl Williams and Tyreek Hill would play. Tyreek Hill's been a full participant all week. I'm not too worried about the well, heel. I'm th- not too Thursday, worried. Thursday is limited. Oh, was uh, well, but he. I'm. I'm. I'm just not too worried about his availability yeah. for no, for, for Sunday. Um, <laughs> Daryl Williams with the toe. He's been limited both days. I. I mean, I. I don't read a whole lot into that either. I, I think if they need him, he'll be able to go. They've also got Jarek McKinnon, who who's played fine since he got back. They've got Derek Cor- Gore, who a lot of fans want to see more of anyway. And you know, I think you've got unlimited practice squad call ups in the playoffs. So. If you needed an Elijah McGuire or something like that, um, you know, to to provide you a little bit of extra insurance, if Daryl couldn't go, they'd they'd be okay. I mean, are, are you worried about Clyde Edwards-Helaire's absence, or do you look at the fact that you know, I mean, we, he's been gone seven games already this season. The Chiefs have seemed to be just just fine weathering those games without him anyway. Yeah, it seems national media overestimates Clyde's impact on the Chiefs' offense. Because I'm sorry, but like, I mean, at this point. He's an injury-prone running back that really can't stay on the field and has lost the explosiveness he did have during part of his rookie year. At his level, it seems to be gone at this point. So, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens here in the playoffs, and we'll see what happens potentially next year. But, I mean, yeah, the Chiefs running back committee is capable of producing what he can, in, in all honesty, probably more for the most part. So that, that that's why that kind of annoys me how people constantly keep saying, well, Hey, Clyde Edwards, the layers out. And I'm like, you're acting like he's Tyree killer, Travis Kelsey. Stop. Right. Like, right. it's not, it's not, it's not on the same level. Like is, is Hill. Okay. Is Kelsey. Okay. Can Daryl Williams and, and Derek Gore go? Can they, they can great. Can Patrick Mahomes go great. He's what he's, he might be 11th on the list of guys that I would worry about missing on that offense to be perfect. I mean, cause you know, you got your five offensive linemen, Mahomes, Kelsey Hill. 
I think it would be a bigger loss to not have McColl or Byron Pringle, given the fact that they've struggled to get production beyond Tyreek Hill from the wide receiver position. And those are the two guys who are capable on, on a given week yeah. of stepping up. Um, and, and look, are the chiefs better if they've got everyone healthy? Of course, that's true of every team. They, they'd be better if they had Jody Fortson uh, fully healthy, you know, and Lucas Niang fully healthy. Yeah. You'd love to have, you know, all your weapons available at your disposal, but I don't think that Clyde Edwards Hilaire's availability changes the trajectory uh, of what this team can do on Sunday or frankly, moving forward in the playoffs. hundred percent. Unless agree. there's another running back injury. hundred percent agree. Yeah. The, the, I don't see the trajectory changing if Clyde's involved or not involved. All right. And that's, and that's which, saying, and that's saying something. <laughs> unfortunately. Right. I mean, look, I mean, you know, if he's there, great. If he's not, I, I think they'll be fine. I mean, I, I just do. I mean, you, you know, I mean, you know, you've, you've got Michael Burton too. Um, <laughs> And, you know, Blake Bell's short yardage back anyway. So what, you know, um, so is there another game? I, I assume that Steelers chiefs is, uh, is the game you're most looking forward to this wild card weekend. Uh, if we take that one out of the equation, which you can see on KSHB 41, uh, which employs us. So I feel obligated to, to mention that. Um, but is there, what's the, what's the next game, you know, on your ledger that you feel like is can't miss this weekend. I mean, I'm curious to see how the Patriots bills ends up. And then I'm obviously curious to see how the Bengals Raiders game goes, but those are my primary ones. I mean, Cowboys 49ers, I'll watch at some point bucks, Eagles, I'll watch at some point, but then Cardinals Rams, it'll be on, but I'm not going to be heavily involved in, in that one. I'm not going to be as engaged as I would be in the bills, Patriots, Bengals Raiders, and definitely not as engaged as I will be with the chief Steelers. So, yeah, I mean, I'm more of an AFC weekend for me. Well, and, and just to make sure everybody understands, if the Chiefs win, um, then the Bills-Patriots game will determine the next opponent. If they beat the Bills, or if the Bills win, it will de- it will be the Bills. Yeah. Um, if if the Patriots win, it will be the winner of the Raiders-Bengals game, no matter who that is. Because uh, if the if the Chiefs win, then the Patriots as the sixth seed would be the lowest remaining playoff seed, so they'd automatically go to Tennessee. Um, so there's no chance you're going to see the Patriots next round. Um, do you, do you, uh, uh, so Saturday you've got Raiders Bengals in the three at three 30, and then you've got Patriots bills at seven 15. How do you see those games going? I fully Start- expect the, yeah, I fully expect the Bengals to win. I don't think that one's going to be as close as people are potentially hoping for 32, 13 once this season, the Bengals are a little bit underrated on defense. I think. Um, so I, I just don't expect Derek Carr to have a good game, despite how much uh, his brother David um, promotes him on NFL Network, which, by the way, I'm sorry, but why is David Carr an uh, analyst on NFL Network? Like, third best I mean, quarterback that, in the playoffs. That's, that's one of the that's, – that's, you pay that guy to talk about his brother? I mean, I'm sorry, but, like, that's literally what half is – his uh his thing is i mean congrats if i if i wanted an analyst that could talk about being the most sacked quarterback in the nfl i was gonna say i think he still holds an nfl record nick calm down then he can he can break (laughs) he can break that down like how to how to properly take a sack and still have a career for a while but they just i I don't know i mean i i don't enjoy listening to his analysis on on tv it's brutal i feel like he might be a little biased but i i agree i think the Bengals are going to take that one are you rooting for patriots i mean who one who do you think 
just going to win Patriots bills. And are you like me? I'm kind of rooting for the Patriots, not necessarily because I am fearful of the bills. I mean, if the bills are, are the next best team, you know, you're going to, you're going to have to face them at some point. Right. But I really want the Bengals to come to town in that divisional round. And I want a second crack at that game, maybe without Jerome Boger as the, as the, as the official. It was Ron Tolbert. Or sorry, Ron Tolbert. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. No, I mean, that's, uh, I, I want to see the Bengals Chiefs at some point in the playoffs, wherever that ends up happening is where it happens. But I mean, at, at the same point, I'm not, the weird thing is, I'm not going to be upset if they play the Bills just because, like, it, I think they can beat the Bills and I think they can beat the Bengals. And I kind of want them to have those redemption opportunities. So, like, I, in some ways, I, I kind of want to see if the Chiefs can run the gauntlet. I want to see them run the gauntlet against both so then they can shut up the national media once and for all until they move the goalpost again in the Super Bowl. You know, so I mean, that's just, that's just kind of the national media's favorite pastime at this point. Every week, man, it didn't matter how many style points the Chiefs have or how, how much they blow somebody out. They're like, yeah, well, and I'm like, okay, well, they moved the goalpost again this week. And that's kind of been a theme for the year. So, you know, just uh, selfishly, I want to see the Chiefs be able to kind of shut some people up that, you know, kept running their mouths throughout the year. So that's, that's kind of my selfish thing, but I don't I mean, want to bet against Bill Belichick. Like right? I just don't want to bet against that guy. It doesn't matter. Right? Like I just don't want to bet against them, but people are betting against them because of the fact that they haven't really shown that they trust Mac Jones in the past couple of weeks. But I personally, I don't know. I just, I'm just not Josh McDaniel and Bill Belichick together, man. There are people, there are people I don't underestimate, but at the same time, I really want to see a Patriots Titans rematch like selfishly for a football fan perspective. That's the match. I really want to see. I want to see the Patriots go into Tennessee, play the Titans and Vrabel and just see how that works out. So there's yeah. And then, and then that would mean that probably the Bengals come to come to Arrowhead. So, I mean, I just, I really don't, I don't want to pick against Belichick. So I'm not going to, I'm still going Patriots over the bills. Yeah. And the other, I mean, look, I think the Patriots or the Bengals are both capable of going into Tennessee and winning that football game. Yes. Yes. Um, so either way, um, if that were to happen, the chiefs would host the AFC championship game for a third straight year, assuming of course that they beat the Steelers. And then in that, under that scenario, um, you know, they'd have to beat either the, you know, the Bengals or the bills um, or I guess the Raiders to advance. Um, uh, you know, NFC heavy day on Sunday outside of the chiefs, do you give the Eagles, I mean, look, they led the NFL in rushing this year, right? Um, you know, do you give them much of a chance against the Buccaneers? I, I'm, I'm not expecting them to win that game, but I'll tell you what, man. I mean, Tampa, I don't remember. I don't know if I remember Super Bowl champ taking as many hits as they have in terms of injuries and uh, Antonio Brown drama, which by the way, the further the Bucks advance, the more I think Antonio Brown's got something else he's going to drop <laughs> in terms of drama. <laughs> like, I think there's stuff he's just holding on to that he's going to bring out during the divisional round or during the NFC championship, or if they make it to the Super Bowl, like, he's really going to have something, maybe a text message we don't know about. I don't know, but I'm just saying, I don't think Antonio Brown's going away from causing the Bucks distractions that they have to answer to. Yeah. There's, a, there's a compulsion there. I, I'll say this though. Um, I trust Tom Brady more than Jalen Hurts yeah. in a playoff game. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, like Brady, I mean, Brady led the, he's like 87 years old and he led the NFL 
in passing yards and passing touchdowns. And and like you said, I mean, he's he's had plenty of guys go down around him. Um, and he just keeps stacking up numbers and stacking up wins. So, uh, yeah, I'm not betting against Tom Brady in the playoffs, uh, at least not against a, a seventh-seeded Eagles team that is lucky to lucky like the Steelers to even be in the, the tournament. Yeah. So I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not betting against the Bucks yet. I, I do think the 49ers are, are a match up well with the, I think the 49ers could pull the ups. I don't think they will. I'd still pick the Cowboys. If, if you push, if you put me in a corner, but if Jimmy Garoppolo um, doesn't turn the ball over, I, 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 that's a, that's a 49ers team that I think is capable of, of winning this game. Um, yeah, the 49ers got a strong run game, but I mean, with Jimmy Garoppolo out there, I think the, I think the Cowboys are really going to, I think they're going to have a day against the 49ers. And I think the Cowboys are going to blow out the 49ers in that game. Yeah. I mean, I could, I, I could, yeah, I could see it going either way. Um, I mean, I, I want to say, I, I saw something when Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't throw an interception, the Niners are seven and oh this year when he does, they are like two and six. So yeah, spoiler alert, uh, he's probably throwing an INT. It's like Cowboys defense. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's pretty, pretty clear. And, and yeah, I mean, you got Diggs over there, uh, but I, b- between Diggs and Micah Parsons who, you know, probably NFL, uh, sh- I, I mean, I, he's got to be hands down the NFL defensive rookie of the year. I think, um, uh, I, I think it could be tough for the Niners, but you know, Debo Samuel gets free for a couple big plays. Um, I wouldn't put it past the 49ers. I really would. Yeah, I still think Cowboys are winning significantly. Right. That'll be the most watched game either way of yes. the weekend, I think. Yep. Um, unlike you, I I like the Cardinals and the Rams matchup. I, I like the quarterback matchup. I like the storyline with Stafford trying to prove he can get it done now that he got out of the NFL purgatory that is Detroit. Um, um, you know, Cooper Cup like led my fantasy team to the championship game this year. So, you know, I, I paid an inordinate amount of attention to him during the season. Um, so I, I'm not as down on this game. Um, I think this one could be exciting. I like it. Part of it too, is like you and I both really liked Rondell Moore coming out of college, coming out of Purdue. I want to, you know, I want to see him in his playoff debut. Uh, I'm, you know, haven't, haven't covered Marcus golden down there when I was at Mizzou. I want to see him have some success in the playoffs. I don't really care who wins Cardinals Rams. I just want to see a couple teams sling the ball all over the field. And I think it could be an entertaining Monday night game. Yeah, I mean, for me, like it's that's Rams are going to win that one, and it'll be comfortably because I just I just don't think. I mean, the, the since Cardinals, DeAndre Hopkins has gotten hurt, like that Cardinals yeah. offense, it just it's never been the same since then. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think they're going to recover personally. Yeah, that's a fair point, but I mean, you know, I mean they've, um, you because know, the Cardinals already won in Los Angeles once this year, so uh, and they also lost at home to the Rams too. But um, I want to I want to see you know. I, I always like watching Aaron Donald play. Um, you know, I want to see if that investment they made and, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. and Von Miller pays off. Yeah. Cause there's also a part of me who kind of wanted, wants to see them go all in and then have it like shove right back in Les Snead's face because I'm a hater. Um, but, you know, um, like I said, I, I'll be, I'll, I'll be watching that one with a variety of intrigue. Yeah. I think the Rams seasonal journey will end in the divisional round, but I think wild card wise, though. They'll they'll get that one done, right? Yeah, I mean, if the Bucks and Cowboys win, the Rams going to Green Bay, you know, mm-hmm. the next week is, it's probably not going to end well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, 
Stafford may not own, or sorry, Rogers, Aaron Rodgers may not own Stafford quite like he owns the Chicago Bears, but uh, um, I, I seem to remember Rogers breaking Stafford's heart many a time too. So I just I, I feel bad for ESPN because out of all the games they could have gotten from this weekend, they get what I think is the least appealing uh, one for their for their inaugural wild card Monday night season. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll be, I mean, Los Angeles is just a bad football market in my opinion, which is why I was always curious. I, I know there's a lot of people there, but, and maybe they want a destination market like Los Angeles, like Las Vegas, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess, um, but you, you're just up, you're competing with so much other stuff there. I, I just, I've never thought of Los Angeles as a great football market. And I, I, I've never understood the NFL's at times, like ridiculously single-minded focus on it to, to, to now put two teams there. They always want to make sure there's a football game there every week during the regular season. So they're going to make sure that that happens no matter what. Well, good for them. They got what they wanted. Um, so, uh, all right. Last thing I do want to talk about, um, um, David Coley is a guy that, that you and I interacted with a bit, right? When he was on the, the chief yeah. staff, um, uh, he was always a, he was always a good guy to me. Um, you know, he was a long time Andy Reid assistant, and then finally, uh, you know, with Andy's blessing, went on to be a quarterbacks coach um, with the Bills, and and then moved on to Baltimore for another couple of years there. Before, and the idea was always he wanted to get that head coaching job. That was his dream. Yep. Um, and kudos to David Coley for achieving that dream. Unfortunately, it was in. Um, I would say, I, I would say the worst situation in the NFL, um, this season, I know everything that happened, um, uh, down in Jacksonville, but you know, you had the number one overall pick, you had Trevor Lawrence coming in and then you made a boneheaded decision, in my opinion, hiring urban Meyer. And, and look, I, I didn't like the urban Meyer hire when it happened. Um, I thought it was a terrible idea. Um, and it turned out that it, it pretty much was a terrible idea. Uh, I wasn't sure how the Coley situation was going to work out. I thought he exceeded my admittedly very low expectations on a team that played all season and really the last, you know, year and a half under the, the specter of the Deshaun Watson, um, you know, scandal. And then with, and I don't even think it's arguable with the worst roster in the NFL, uh, you know, um, I think it's unfortunate that Coley was in a position where he never had a chance. Um, I don't think anyone had a chance. I mean, I'm not sure Andy Reid could have had a winning season with what they had going on down there with Davis Mills, you know, and and, and everything that was in that position. So, uh, you know, just what's your reaction to, to David Coley being fired after one year, you know, and, you know, likely uh, being succeeded by one of the, you know, whoever the next branch of the Bill Belichick coaching tree is? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Whenever he got hired, there, there's a reason coaches were skeptical of going down there last year. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a reason B enemy, like, you know, was seemed pretty skeptical of it. There's a reason Leslie Frazier seemed skeptical of it. Like, I mean, there just wasn't a lot of intrigue from coaches that were interviewing there. And I think a big reason why is they kind of probably all kind of knew whether they admitted or not that that person was going to unfortunately be a placeholder until they got whatever Patriots coach that they wanted. Cause whatever coach they potentially wanted, I honestly think that they would have probably gotten then, but it, my guess is that the coach wasn't available at the time or they kind of wanted to wait a little bit until they made their moves and kind of 
let the coach that they really wanted come in there with just a fresh slate on the roster until they completely overhauled it and kind of give them that start. Is it unfair to Coley? hundred percent, but that I, I mean, if I'm David Coley and going into those interviews and that type of stuff, you've got to have a sense for that. I had a sense for that from Kansas city. I wasn't even involved in the interviews. Yeah. So like, I mean, you, you've got to kind of be aware of that. So I'm tip of the cap to whoever his agent is to be able to get him four full years guaranteed that has now since been reported. That's the key of that entire thing. So now he can go wherever he wants, you know, if he wants to, or he can take some time off, but I mean, you know, but I I think at the end of the day, he wanted to go out there and be a head coach and competitively prove that all that time he put into it was worth it. And he exceeded what he should have been able to do down there in Houston, not because of his coaching ability, but like you said, because of the roster he had and David Cole, he's a, he's a, he's a good coach, great wide receivers coach. And he, he went about it the right way because if you want to go be a head coach in the NFL, normally they want people that have good offensive minds, have worked with quarterbacks before, and have been coordinators somewhere. That's typically what they want. And Coley was always the assistant head coach here during his tenure here before he left. And then Dave Tobe took that on when Coley left to go to Buffalo. And, you know, we'll see who the assistant coaches someday, whenever, if Dave Tobe takes an opportunity somewhere down the road. But, I mean, look, I'm – it's unfortunate that Cully didn't get an op, you know, get a true opportunity to deserve, but he wanted to be a head coach. That was his goal from the first time I talked to him, you know, back in 2013, like that's, that's what he wanted to do. That's what he wanted to get. So he was able to achieve that. And, you know, and he was able to kind of put his resume out there in some regard. So we'll see if a team down the road takes another chance on him or, you know, what he's able to do in terms of if he becomes a coordinator somewhere or he goes back to being a quarterback's coach or receiver's coach. I'm saying there's opportunities for him to continue coaching in the league if he wants to. But the Texans, like, gave him quite the financial uh, windfall to where, you know, he, he has opportunities and choices. That, that'll cushion the blow tonight for sure. I uh, hope so. Moving, I mean, if they forward. You know, Texans want to I mean, sign me to fire me for a day or two. Let me know. <laughs> right. It, I mean, it reminds me of the Steve Wilk situation, Arizona um, kind of set up to fail. Um, and then, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, they brought in Nick Casario from the Patriots organization as the new GM. He basically, his approach to free agency was throwing spaghetti at the wall, right? Like they signed a bunch of dudes. And I think the whole idea was just, all right, Let's give them a shot. Let's see what they can do. Let's put them on the roster and then we can pare it down from there. But I think Casario probably knew what this season was going to be. And, you know, it, it, whether, whether he wants to go after Josh McDaniel or, or Jared Mayo or whoever, you know, you, I don't think he wanted to put them in that situation right away. Um, you know, so you give Coley, you know, several million dollars to come in and, and be the punching bag for a year and then hopefully get, get your ducks in a row, get that situation, uh, get your house in order, uh, you know, and give the guy you really want a chance to, to hit the ground running a little bit better next year. I think, I think that's probably the approach the Texans took, um, you know, but you're right. We haven't seen the last of David Coley, um, you know, and, uh, Kudos to him. I mean, nobody can ever take away the fact that he he made it to the pinnacle of his profession as an NFL head coach. Yeah. You just, and and you, look, think about no. this too. They beat the Titans who were the number one seed, right? But if it weren't for David Culley's Texans, 
Like that Sunday night football game between the Chargers and the Raiders, when it's coming down to the end and we all are, you know, we're waiting to see whether it's going to be a tie and then Brandon Staley takes a knee and all that. Like none of that happens without David Coley. The Chargers are in the playoffs probably without David Coley because the Texans upset the Chargers a couple weeks, you know, a couple weeks ago and kind of set the stage for, for what ended up being a really chaotic week 18. So, um, you know, mad respect for that, if nothing else. Yeah, no, David Coley left his mark on this NFL playoff picture on the yeah. AFC side, so yeah. there's no disputing that one. But, look, I mean, look, Justin Herbert's still clearly the best quarterback, and the Los Angeles Chargers will be favored to win the 2022 AFC West title um, despite getting David Coley in 2021. All right, well, I uh, <laughs> think that's all I got time for today, Todd. That's about all I got time for, too. Um but uh, I thank you for doing this podcast with me, Nick. All right, we'll uh, we'll figure out another bring, one. Are you going to bring some Rotel over to watch the game with me and my kids on Sunday? No. Ouch. All right. Well, I, I told Angie to make crack chicken chili. Um, That's your lead, dude. Why would you bury the lead, man? <laughs> I will. I will clear my schedule. <laughs> like that. That and the fact that I probably won't be here because I'll be in the press box at Arrowhead. I thought that was two really strong selling points. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why I was kind of confused when you were inviting me. I'm like, dude, you're gonna be at the game. Like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing here? Um. All right. So. All right. Well, do you want to give your address so that listeners can come watch the game with you? No, thank you. All right. Well. I tried. I tried loyal listeners of the fourth and one podcast. Um, and I sorry I failed. You don't um, even you, you don't even know where I live. <laughs> no, I, I, I truly have never been to your house. Um, <laughs> never will be either. <laughs> I can do property record searches though pretty well. So um, uh-huh. <laughs> that's what you think. <laughs> um, but all right. Well, I, I got nothing else. Um, Todd, when, you li- when you live in a van down by the river, you can always travel. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's a moving target. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, so just, yeah. But if you want to know where Nick lives, just, just look up the property address for Matt Foley in Jackson County and you'll definitely find it. Good luck. <laughs> Let me do it in a more creepy tone. Like the dude from taking good luck. <laughs> All right. Well, I got nothing else. Um, you want to talk to me in the middle of the night on uh, on or it, mo- early Monday morning about whatever happens on Sunday? Yeah, um, people. I mean, most people call it a podcast. You took it to, you know, like I don't have a life or something. Yeah, it'll be fourth and one after dark. <laughs> All right, Todd. I, this is clearly where my exit is. So until next time, I bid you adieu. All right. Take care, kids.